Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday, Wednesday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond. What's your favorite story out of Scripture? Are there one or two people who stand out to you in all the different accounts that we have recorded in the pages of the Bible? Perhaps Moses. He reluctantly leads the Hebrew people out of Egypt into the Promised Land. There's David, the King of Israel, of course who is described as a man after God's own heart, then he sins. When he's confronted with his great sin, he repents. He comes back to God. Of course, there's the Holy Family. I would imagine that would be at the top of the list for most of us, Joseph, Mary, and then, of course, the recorded events in the life of our Lord Jesus there in the Gospels. And then we also have the different apostles, especially Peter and Paul, that we follow recorded. Yeah, we see Peter in the Gospels and some of the other apostles, but especially in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We see uh, Peter, we see the other apostles, and then especially the last half of the book of the Acts, St. Paul and his missionary journeys. Who's your favorite person in the Bible? One of my mom's favorite stories from Scripture is Joseph from the Old Testament, Joseph the son of Jacob. And I think most of us know this story. Joseph, he's the 11th of 12 sons that are born to Jacob. Jacob eventually, well, at that point, he would have already been renamed Israel. Uh, But Jacob, you know, it's obvious to everyone that Joseph was treated as Jacob's favorite. He was given that coat of many colors, you might remember, from his father, a sign that he was indeed that favorite child. And all of the older brothers, they all hated Joseph. And add on to this that Joseph, he has these dreams, and he he shares the dreams. He tells his brothers about them. These dreams that showed his brothers bowing down to him, showing Joseph ruling, being uh, above his brothers. And as you can imagine, that didn't go over very well with the brothers. So they plot against Joseph, and eventually they sell him into slavery. And they tell their father, Jacob, that a wild animal must have killed Joseph. So Joseph, he finds himself a slave in Egypt. And through a series of events, it it, it turns out that he becomes second in command in Egypt under only the pharaoh. And it's worth reading the story yourself. If you read, I think it's the last 14 chapters or so of Genesis, the book of Genesis in the Bible. Uh, It won't take you very long, and it's a beautiful story. But when uh, famine hits the land there, all in, in Egypt and all the surrounding areas, Joseph, as second in command, he's been working in Egypt to store enough food to provide for these years of famine. 
And eventually his brothers, they come to Egypt. They hear that they might be able to buy food there. And Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him, though. So eventually, over the course of events and a couple of visits, he reveals himself to them. I'm alive. I am here. It's me, Joseph. And he has them all, along with his father, has all of them move their families out there to Egypt where he can provide for them. And Jacob, he's quite old. He eventually dies after relocating there to Egypt. And soon after his death, the brothers, they all start talking to each other, saying, what if Joseph has been nursing this grudge against us all these years? He didn't do anything while Jacob was still alive, but now that our father is dead, is he going to take out revenge on us? So they tell Joseph that their father, before he died, had asked Joseph to forgive his brothers for the wrong that they did to him. And it's this response from Joseph at this point. This is why my mom loves this story so much, because Joseph, he says to his brothers, you did what you did. You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. And he says, don't be worried. Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm going to be fine. I will take care of you. And I see how God meant this to happen. And my mom, she says, oh, I wish I could just always have that sort of attitude, that sort of response when somebody does something wrong to me. How about you? Do you think you could say that? Would you be able to offer that same sort of forgiveness and have that attitude to be able to say, well, you might have meant evil against me, but God will somehow bring good out of this. Today, we celebrate the life of one of the youngest saints ever to be canonized in the Catholic Church. And she offered that kind of forgiveness to a man who perpetrated evil against her. St. Maria Goretti. She gives us an amazing example of forgiving, but also we get the benefit of seeing the result of her forgiveness. So many years later, being able to see the end of the story, how her forgiveness paved the way for the man who killed her to find healing and experience a true conversion. And so today, we want to look at the life of St. Maria Gretti, look at her example, how we can have that same attitude of forgiveness towards those who would want to harm us. And joining us for the hour is our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, is back with us once again. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and he's the pastor of Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, so glad to have you back on the program. Welcome. Josh, it's wonderful to be here, and... What a great day, the, the Feast of St. Maria Goretti, one of our favorites. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, just to start off the hour, can you give us a little, uh, you know, background on the life of St. Maria Goretti, um, what we know about her, and, of course, then the events between her and Alessandro? Certainly, the year that she died was 1902, and Italy was a poor country back then, you might know that so many Italians immigrated to the United States because of the poverty in other countries. But Maria's family, she was the third of seven children. Her father died of malaria because they had to move to a very poor farming area south of Rome called the Marshes. There are a lot of swamps there, a lot of malaria. So she lost her father when she was nine years old. Her mother, uh, trying to support the family, they had to move in to a, a kind of a boarding house with other families. Uh, and in that house was the um, Serenelli family, 
the dad was an alcoholic. It was a really dysfunctional family. Uh, one brother committed suicide. Others uh, went. Uh, they had to be put in, into institutions from insanity. Um, the son that killed the Serenelli boy that did the murder of Maria Goretti, his name was Alessandro. He was 19 at the time. And he had been looking at some pornography and just becoming very lustful. He said later that he had determined to kill uh, 11-year-old Maria if she didn't give in to him. So part of the problem was the poverty. They were all living in close quarters, and uh, pornography was another problem, and alcohol was a problem. So there were lots of problems. But the, the luminous fact is that Maria Goretti rose above all of these problems. She, With God's grace, she brought good out of evil. So what happened? Well, on July 5th, that's why we celebrate her feast day. Um, well, we've, on the 6th, because she, she died the next day, but she was uh, attacked on July 5th. Uh, she was actually sewing one of Alessandro's shirts, and he approached her with a, a knife and said uh, that she had to give in to his lust. And she, she said, no, it's a sin. God does not want it. I think that's really important. God does not want it. Not what I want or what you want, but what does God want? So God does not want it. She's a very simple, faithful Catholic girl. She said she would rather die than submit to the, the um, intercourse with him, he, rather die than be raped. He stabbed her 14 times. She tried to reach the door. He stopped her by stabbing her three more times, total of 17 times. She was taken to the hospital. When she was found later bleeding on the floor, Alessandro had run away. And interesting that uh, one of the pharmacists in the hospital said, Maria, think of me in paradise. He knew that she was dying. And she looked at him and said, well, who knows which of us is going to get to paradise first. That kind of simplicity in Maria is just so disarming. He said, you, Maria, will get there first. And she said, then I will gladly think of you. Well, she did die on July 6th on this day. And um, Alessandro, her attacker, was arrested. He was sent to prison for many years. I think for about eight years in prison, he refused to even ad admit that he had done anything wrong or that what uh, his he wasn't he was unrepentant. And then one night, um, he had a dream or, or, or a vision of uh, Maria Goretti herself that she came to him offering. Uh, she was picking lilies, white lilies, and she offered the flowers to him, and he accepted them. And every flower that he received became a white flame, white purity. And he realized he could be forgiven. She had come back to forgive him. And he could regain his purity. That his, his sin could be burned away by the grace of God, by the love of also Maria. Maria had said that as she died, she forgave him. And um, she said that, uh, I, I want him to be with me in heaven. It's, it's, it's just amazing that such a young girl has such a mature understanding of her first principles and final ends. She understood that she was going to heaven, that 
we all need to go to heaven. And, and she wanted to take her attacker with her. And so later, Alessandro, her attacker, did convert. He was released from prison after 27 years. He visited Maria's mother, Asunta, got down on his knees and begged her forgiveness. Asunta, the mother of Maria Goretti, forgave Alessandro for killing her daughter. She said, I cannot refuse you forgiveness since my daughter has already done so. And they attended Mass together the next day, receiving Holy Communion side by side. And they were both, that is, uh, Alessandro the murderer and Asunta, the mother of the murdered girl, were at, they both attended her beatification and her canonization. Uh, Alessandro became a Capuchin friar for the rest of his life. He, a simple gardener and, and lay brother in a, a friary of Capuchin friars. So that's the story. It's a story of, um, of t it's a story of murder, but reconciliation and all's well that ends well. That is, everybody gets to heaven who accepts right. the grace of God. Yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about uh, Maria has this this really uh, mature understanding of what is important. You know, this desire to see the man who attacked her, that he can have that conversion, that he can make it to heaven. So there's that maturity there. But I also, in seeing how quickly Maria, you know, they're on her deathbed. She speaks and says, I forgive Alessandro. It makes me think of my own children. You know, if one of them does something to hurt one of the other, one of their siblings, in those younger years, maybe 12 and under, some, somewhere around that age and younger, they're able to forgive the offense and move on from it pretty quickly. They don't harbor any ill will for any long, you know, period of time. And it's just, okay, that happened, and they forget about it, and they move on. But once they get into those te teen years, mm. they start kind of holding on to things. And Maria's example of forgiveness, it makes me think of Jesus, where he tells his disciples, you know, he brings this young child and, and you know, has this child before his disciples and says, unless you become like a child, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I know that childlike attitude, you know, we could apply that to several things, you know, having a simple but firm faith, expecting the best of everyone like a child, things like that. But with Maria Goretti, we see this ready, this immediate forgiveness of a child. And how, how do you think we, you know, as adults, I talk about <laughs> my teenagers, I see them starting to hold on to things. How can we try and go back to that same sort of willingness to forgive quickly? How do we foster that childlike attitude towards forgiveness in our own lives? That's an excellent question. And our, Maria Goretti is one of the child martyrs, along with some of the Roman martyrs as well, like Agnes. In fact, Pius XII canonizing her in 1950 said she is the Saint Agnes of the 20th century. Well, how do we become children again? She had the advantage of being 11 years old, the advantage of a certain innocence. What happens as we get into our adolescence is we develop scar tissue from the wounds that are inflicted upon us or we afflict upon ourselves. And 
almost everything that's touched after teenage years is scar tissue. And our life is spent trying to regain the pure, smooth skin around our soul that we had as children. How do we do that? Well, number one, it's always prayer. It always starts with prayer. So to develop an intense interior life, a consistent prayer life is the first step. And the second is simply to practice forgiveness, to give forgiveness. St. Francis said that it is in giving that we receive. And in the Our Father, you will be forgiven as you forgive others. So if we practice forgiveness, simply, even if we don't feel it, but simply saying, I forgive you, saying to ourselves, I forgive this person, even if we don't fully feel that or even mean that in, in an emotional way, we say that we will to forgive someone and it gets better. We develop a certain muscle memory in terms of reconciliation. I think that's the way to regaining our innocence, our uh, carefree confidence in God's forgiveness of us. If we understand how much we have been forgiven, that's the point of the parable of the two stewards, you know, one that owned, owed his master a, a huge amount and another who just a small amount. And the, the owner of the plantation forgave the first steward, 10,000 talent debt, an impossible debt. But that steward refused to forgive a fellow steward, a fellow servant that owed him a much smaller amount. It's simply in forgiving our fellows the much smaller amount that they owe us by realizing how much we have been forgiven. Our entire debt has been canceled by Christ on the cross. We gain the imagination and the uh, ability to forgive people that we think we can't forgive. I mean, some of the worst yeah. problems, yeah, like, like an ex-spouse, for example. How can I possibly uh-huh. forgive someone who's constantly fighting me for custody of the children or uh, making, you know, there's so, or, or an employer that's really robbed me or, or someone that's hurt me. Someone that's, think of the, you know, the, the recent shooting near Chicago. So how do we forgive the person that did that, that, that killed my daughter or killed my son? Yeah. Well, Father, let's pick up on that in just a moment here. I want to also open up the phone lines and our number to call in and speak with Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today. The phone number is 888-914-9149. We're looking at the life of St. Maria Goretti. Uh, It's her feast day today. And her example of forgiveness and how that forgiveness can lead us down the path toward healing, toward conversion, as well as those that we are forgiving. And when have you had to make that decision to forgive someone, even when it was difficult, even if you didn't want to? And how did that act of forgiveness help you not only to to have that healing in your own life, but how did it help in your relationship with Christ to heal the division that had been that, that had happened there because of whatever that wrong was? 
Or maybe you're still holding back forgiveness from someone. You're finding it difficult to offer that forgiveness, and you'd like some advice. Uh, you'd like to speak with Father Ilo, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation here in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you here with us this hour as we're talking about the life, the example of St. Maria Goretti, and also talking with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And looking at the example that St. Maria Goretti gives us in forgiving others, when have you offered that forgiveness to someone else? How did you experience the healing in yourself? How did you see that healing take place in their life? Maybe you are at a place where it's difficult for you to offer forgiveness to someone. Uh, there's just too much of that baggage, that scar tissue that Father Isla was talking about in the last segment, things that just keep on kind of holding on to you, and you're not sure how to be able to approach that place where you will be able to offer forgiveness to that person. You'd like some advice or some insight, you can call in and speak with Father Ilo, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, you know, right before the break, you were talking about those people who have really built up that scar tissue in our lives, uh, you know, things that have happened. And I think it might be natural to look at the life of St. Maria Goretti and say, well, you know, she was there on her deathbed. She only had to forgive Alessandro once. It was just a one-time thing. But in my situation, you know, what if my mom or dad, you know, they're consistently doing things to hurt me, or maybe they hurt me all through my growing up years, and there hasn't been any change. So there's kind of this repeated behavior again and again and again. Or maybe it's a brother or a sister who takes advantage of me over and over. Or even I have a grown child who hurts me with their words, their actions. But it's this repeated behavior, you know. So it's one thing to forgive somebody once, but when they keep doing it again and again, and I keep offering that forgiveness, I might feel like I'm starting to reach my limit. What, what would you say to the person who finds themselves in that sort of scenario? Well, that's all of us, actually. And it was Maria Goretti. Two, so two points in that regard. One is that Maria had been forgiving Alessandro many, many times before he killed her. He had tried to rape her, or at least pressure her into some some kind of sexual favors many times, at least five times before he did this on, on um, July 5th. And also, Maria had been forgiving other people. There was a lot of injustice, and their, their family was so poor. They were looked down on by other neighbors. So 
she was able to forgive him in that supreme moment because she had been practicing forgiveness on an ongoing basis. I think of Maximilian Kolbe, he was able to give his life in Auschwitz in 1941 because he had been training himself to be charitable to others for all of his life, for years before that. So they, they say we die as we live. She died forgiving because she lived forgiving. And that's, it's a proof that all of us can continue to forgive those who hurt us. So I'll speak in a minute on some practical ways. But a, but a second point regarding Maria Goretti is that she was stabbed 17 times. And I think that's uh, mystically important, the number 17. Our Lord says to forgive your brother seven times. How many times should I forgive my brother? And he says seven times. Seven, seven times? No, 70 times, seven times. I think the number 17 is kind of like that. I don't just forgive seven times, but 17 times. Every, for every one of my stab wounds, I forgive you, Alessandro. How do we do that practically? Well, practice makes perfect. So we forgive in small things. We persist in forgiving. And when somebody hurts us in a, in a brutal way, again, we take a deep breath. We say a prayer. We go to the Blessed Sacrament. We go to Mass. We pray the Rosary. We do all the sacramental and <clears throat> prayerful things that help us be capable of forgiving. And that just is constant maintenance. I was just preparing a couple for their marriage last night, and this subject came up of, well, how much work does marriage take? Once we get married, it's going to be pretty clear sailing, right? Well, of course, uh, marriage takes daily work. Marriage is essentially forgiving. And that is it's the epitome of all of our relationships. It's actually the reflection of our relationship with God. Many people have to learn to forgive God again and again. God, why did you do this to me? And giving him our complete submission and, and uh, confidence. So we can forgive others because we know how much God has forgiven us. And that's why going back to prayer after we're deeply hurt again and again going back to prayer again and again is the way that we can continue to offer our forgiveness to others. Well, and you made reference to where Peter asks about forgiveness. And he says, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me as many as seven times? And like you said, you know, depending on the translation, it might say seven times 70 or 77 times seven. But... Uh, my understanding is when Peter is speaking with Jesus there, he's already thinking, I am being over-the-top generous in what mm-hmm. I'm saying by asking about seven times, because under Jewish law, if you were wronged, you were required to forgive someone three times for mm-hmm. wronging you in the same way, you know, the same offense, essentially, time after time. Mm-hmm. After those three times, you no longer had to offer that. So Peter says... I'm going to be so generous that not only will I double it, but I'll even add an extra one on top of that. So I'm, I'm being a really good guy here. And then Jesus says, no, even when you think you have been so over the top generous, 
you need to take it to such a far extreme that it's what you just said is being generous seems like just a drop in the bucket compared to what really is is required of you um and and i think that's you know even with your example of marriage you know is it smooth sailing after you actually you know profess your love and say your vows and you are married it's it's going to take work every single day it's going to be like you said that ongoing maintenance you're going to have to keep on doing it so whenever we think we're being generous in forgiveness uh, it, it just says to me okay my idea of generous forgiveness is going to be so pale in comparison with what god offers and then what god expects of me mm-hmm. that you know we say three strikes and you're out and that was the jewish law three times now it's interesting that our Lord comes back to Peter after Peter had denied him three times and asks him three times, do you love me? And and Peter says, yes. But Jesus knows that Peter does not love him very much. He says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, well, yeah, I, I like you, Jesus, uh, but you know all things. You know my weakness. So we shouldn't be too uh, worried about not rendering perfect forgiveness. We will still have those feelings of resentment. We'll battle with those. But that does not mean we do not forgive. If we make the intention to forgive, we ask for God's help to forgive someone that's hurting us repeatedly, then that's enough. I mean, we have to keep working on it. But Jesus knew quite well that Peter would deny him again. You know, the Quo Vadis story that, that, where Jesus meets Peter trying to flee from Rome from the persecutions. And uh, there are many other stories, I'm sure, in Peter's life and all of our lives where we fail to render perfect forgiveness and perfect fidelity. But our Lord loves us even in our imperfection. Make the effort. That's all that God asks of us try to forgive. Well, he says, forgive your brother from your heart, meaning do the best you can. Call on me for help and it'll all work out. It it took a while for Alessandro to forgive himself, eight years in prison. It took a while for Asanta, her mother, to forgive Alessandro, but they persisted and everybody goes to heaven if you persist. By perseverance, you will save your lives. Yeah. You made the reference there of Alessandro forgiving himself. It took him time to forgive himself as well. Uh, Maybe you can talk about that for a moment here, too. Sometimes we think of forgiveness just as us forgiving somebody other than ourselves or somebody offering forgiveness to someone other than themselves. But that scar tissue that we can have that you referenced earlier in the hour... Uh, that can be because we are ashamed and because we know our own guilt and we might be holding on and not forgiving ourselves uh, how uh, what are what are some ways that we can if we are resistant to forgiving ourselves resistant mm. to saying i am i am somebody who god wants to give his mercy to but we kind of hold that back on our own rather than receiving God's forgiveness and God's mercy. We just keep on kind of punishing ourselves. How can we change that mindset 
so that we can forgive ourselves and open ourselves up to God's mercy and healing. Mm -hmm. Alessandro had a very difficult childhood. I mentioned some of the terrible dysfunctions in his own family and his father being an alcoholic, etc. I read that his mother tried to drown him when he was an infant before abortion was, you know, technically easy and, and legal, I guess. And so basically she she had despaired. It was just a very difficult time for all of them. And I can see why he would turn to pornography and, and, and uh, commit these crimes. But what drew him back to life was the beauty of this 11-year-old girl, the beauty of God's grace radiating through her. So how do we forgive ourselves? Well, we we must turn to God, uh, as I say in prayer. But another way, often neglected, is, the, is reading the lives of the saints, which is essentially what we're doing in this hour of the inner life. We're, we're, pick, we're, we're, we're trying to understand deeply this example, this, the life of this, this 11-year-old girl. So I think reading the lives of the saints, seeing how they were able to forgive in very practical ways and be close to God, is immensely helpful for us. Those two things I would say, uh, coming back to prayer repeatedly and offering ourselves to God with all of our deficiencies and then being in communion with our brothers and sisters who themselves became perfect by the grace of God in, in knowing the lives of the saints are two very practical ways of learning how to forgive ourselves and forgive others. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life, looking at the life of St. Maria Goretti, the forgiveness that she offered to the man who attacked her, who killed her, and how we can learn from her example of forgiveness. Also seeing in the life of the man who attacked her, Alessandro Serenelli, how he experienced forgiveness and healing and eventually conversion in his life. So many different lessons that we can learn from this story of this young saint, this young martyr. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here if you have a question for Father Joseph Ilo. Uh, maybe you were in a position where you had to make that decision to forgive somebody when it was difficult at a time where you didn't want to. And how did you experience that same sort of healing? How did that help you grow closer to Christ in your life by offering that forgiveness? Maybe you're finding it difficult to offer forgiveness right now to somebody who has hurt you again and again. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. Uh, Father, we had Chloe who called in from New York, couldn't hold on the line, but said, is it okay to forgive someone? but then also to distance yourself from them if you know that they're probably not going to change their behavior. So, I, I mean, it sounds to me like Chloe's saying, I want to offer the forgiveness, I want to do the right thing, but I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to be repeatedly hurt. Mm-hmm. That's a very good practical question, Chloe, and the answer is yes. You need to protect yourself, your bodily and spiritual integrity, and there's so much toxicity in the world today as we've become arguably the most atheistic culture in world history. But there are times when we can't distance ourselves. Maybe we're in an employment situation or it's a family member. Maria Goretti herself could not escape Alessandro's. She didn't have 
to wherewithal. She couldn't move out of the house. She was 11 years old. So do what you need to do to protect yourself. If you can't protect yourself, it's a family member, for example, or a spouse that has some kind of uh, hurt or dysfunction, then call upon God day and night to protect you. And also, St. Joseph is very important here. Today's Wednesday. They have St. Joseph. And he uh, he protected our, our Lord from Herod. He protected Our Lady. So we should pray to St. Joseph for protection our, and our guardian angel. There are there are uh, people in heaven that will protect us if we cannot find a way to distance ourselves from a, a, a dangerous situation. Chloe, I hope that helps, and thanks for calling. And again, our phone number, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we're going to take a short pause here. We're going to be right back with more of Father Joseph Ilo and the life of St. Maria Goretti, what we can learn from her example, forgiveness, the healing that we experience by offering forgiveness, by receiving forgiveness, and that conversion that can happen in our lives when we allow mercy to be part of that experience. 888-914-9149. More to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Thank you for joining us for this hour as we talk about the life of St. Maria Goretti and what we can learn from her example, especially forgiveness, the healing that we experience when we offer forgiveness or when we receive that forgiveness. And I also want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Maggie Greshel for their help in producing the program. Uh, here as we're talking today with Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And we're taking your calls at 888-914-9149. That phone number again, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about forgiveness and uh, there's some aspect that's maybe a difficulty for you, an area where you want to be able to offer forgiveness, but it's there's something that seems to be holding you back and you need some advice, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, you talked about Maria, her attacker, the man who killed her, Alessandro Serenelli, and how after he had been in prison for 27 years, he was released. He then went and found Maria's mother, uh, Asanta Goretti, and he came before her to ask for her forgiveness. And Maria's mother, as you said, also forgave uh, Alessandro, saying that since Maria on her deathbed had forgiven him, she couldn't hold back that forgiveness as well. And one of the things that I think is natural to look at, we say, okay, there's this this real transformation in Alessandro's life. He ends up having this 
this change, this he forgives himself, he knows that he's been forgiven by Maria, so he has this healing, this conversion that happens in his life. But there's also, when he goes before Asanta, not only does he then receive additional healing through her forgiveness, I have to imagine that this really helped Maria's mother herself also to find healing even so many years after the death of Maria. You know, she still as a mother would be having that grief, that loss every single day. And I think that's so key that being able to forgive, it helps heal people on both sides of some tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yes. they. Um, I think it's interesting that they both, that is, El Sandro and Asunta, went to Mass together and received communion, kneeling side by side at the altar rail. Because they did that right after he had asked her forgiveness. So they sealed that forgiveness by the sacrament of Christ's body and blood. So we come together as saints, that is, people who are made holy by God's own forgiveness, and we pull upon the sacramental graces that are offered to us in Holy Communion and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So that's very important for for any Christians and Catholics to practice our faith together as much as we can. We are forgiven together in the Holy Mass when the Kyrie is sung and the general absolution is given. All of us are going to hell except for God's gracious gift of reconciliation. Again, talking with Father Joseph Ilo here today on The Inner Life, and our phone number, 888-914-9149, And Father, uh, let's go to Megan, who's listening to us in Brooklyn, New York. Megan, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Ilo. Hi, guys. So I have a question. Oh, I'm okay. My question is, okay, so like when you forgive somebody and like the term... Um, we forgive and we forget. Is it okay if, like, after you forgive, you don't forget? Because, like, when you see that person, like, you remember what happened, and like, you know. Right. Well, it's kind of a good question, Megan. It's like Chloe's question earlier: Do I protect myself? And so, first of all, we can't. Uh, normally, we don't completely forget, especially a traumatic situation. Obviously, Asanta did not forget that Asanta that Alessandro had killed her daughter. So what that forgive and forget means, I always understand anyway, is that we forget the resentment. We don't forget the danger, but we do our best to forget the pain that we felt and replace it with uh, reconciliation. So on a practical level, we, we can't forget that there are real enemies in this life and they are bent on doing us harm or they could be bent on that. And we, we need to protect ourselves. Uh, Father sense. Megan, first of all, thank you for the phone call. Um, good question. Uh, what do you think are some obstacles that do keep us from offering that forgiveness? Uh, you know, we've talked about just kind of the, the scar tissue, the things that we hold on to, are there other things that you think just hold us back from being able to offer forgiveness when somebody does something against us? Yes. One of the, one of the 
major obstacles to holiness and to this reconciliation, which is at the heart of union with God, is persistent mortal sin, or even persistent venial sin in some ways. So if we have a persistent mortal sin, that that needs to be confessed sacramentally, and we need to work on eliminating that before we can possibly extend forgiveness in, in, a, in a full sense to others. People don't realize that, that what's really killing the life of grace in me is this uh, persistent or repeated mortal sin or a venial sin that I make no effort to remove from my life. For example, uh, telling lies, more or less harmless lies perhaps, or boasting or eating too much or watching too much uh, media. All of these things are um, keeping us from receiving the fullness of grace and making really uh, reconciliation with others very difficult or impossible. So confess the mortal sins. Look at our own consciences and ask God's help in making us perfect before we can uh, remove the splinter from our brother's eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Mary is calling in, listening in the Chicago area. Mary, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to share um, kind of my story, and hopefully it may help people um, work through forgiveness. Um, When I was five, um, my grandfather um, inappropriately touched me, and it kind of continued throughout my life um, and I had to figure out a way to forgive him because I was so angry with him and um, finally after many years I just felt like something he must have had a very horrible upbringing you know he was an immigrant he came over very young lived by himself with his brother and um, I just thought to do To me, as a child, what he did, you have to be sick (laughs) or or something's wrong, really wrong with him, you know, to have him do so much damage. And and that helped me to forgive him, just thinking he was really a hurt person. You know, he was really Mm -hmm. wounded. And um, I think God's grace just helped me with that because I I have forgiven him. You know, it's still... Mm -hmm makes me sad at times. I have grandchildren the age, you know, uh, that I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's a, a very essential aspect of forgiveness is to try to understand the other person's damage, where they're coming from. Put your walk a mile in their moccasins. That's called compassion. That is suffering with the other person. And I think that's why Maria Goretti could forgive Alessandro perhaps more easily, more perfectly, because she knew how hurt he was by his own childhood. She she saw that living in the same house with him. She saw his alcoholic father and his, his siblings. So make every effort to see where the other person's coming from. That's really lacking that kind of merciful compassion or understanding love as mother Teresa called it is so lacking in culture today where people just blame others without trying to understand where they're coming from. 
Thanks for the call, Mary. You know, listening to uh, Mary's experience there, Father, and also just thinking about Alessandro, uh, you know, Mary's grandfather, Alessandro, they they might have had that difficult life, and they're looking for love. But I think, as is the case with most of us, we don't have a real, a, a true understanding of what love really is at so many points in our life. So we're looking for this intimacy, this love, but we're looking for it in a warped or twisted way. And it's only when we allow ourselves to experience the love of God that we're really going to say, that's the thing that fulfills me. I'm looking for fulfillment in these other areas, and we end up hurting people because we're looking for that fulfillment in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Right, to understand another person's hurt. Now, it doesn't excuse in any oh, way no. the, the terrible. So let's be clear, of course, that forgiveness doesn't pretend that there was no sin committed or crime, but it, it reaches deeper to the sources of all sin, which is uh, the rejection of God and applies the only possible remedy, which is the love of God, the grace of God. Otherwise, it's just a cycle, an unending cycle of violence and hurt. Father, down to just the last couple of minutes here. As we're kind of wrapping up the hour, uh, you know, you talked about a great way for us to really help ourselves learn more about forgiveness, uh, to avail ourselves to that, is learning about lives of the saints, seeing how they lived out day in and day out. Uh, So I want to go back and reiterate that, you know, reading about the lives of the saints. As far as any possible prayer, is there a prayer that you might suggest that we turn to and say, you know, if I'm in a position where I am really struggling to offer forgiveness to somebody who's hurt me, any specific prayer you might recommend that would be kind of a good starting point and asking for God to work to soften our hearts so that we can mm-hmm. get to that point where we can offer forgiveness? Well, the first that comes to mind, of course, the Our Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Another is one greatly beloved by Relevant Radio, which is the Memorare. The Memorare is so powerful. Uh, Mother Teresa would have this, what's called the Flying Novena, nine Memorare's for un- impossible situations, and then a tenth memorial in Thanksgiving, knowing that God would always provide. So you've been praying, promoting the praying, the memorari for this impossible situation of abortion, legal abortion, and guess what? It's now, um, we're protecting the lives of innocent children in at least half of the states right. in this country. So the memorari, there it is. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Ilo, for being with us here today. We've got about 20 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we conclude the hour? Through the intercession of St. Maria Goretti and all the saints and angels in heaven, may God bless all of you and give you the grace of reconciliation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again, Father Joseph Ilo, for being with us here on The Inner Life today. Thank you for listening. And of course, the podcast will be available here shortly at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. I hope you have a blessed rest of your afternoon.